Hi there, this is Erin Nicole, and you're listening to the Move Happy Movement podcast. On this show, I interview people from all over the world. Sometimes I do sermons from the divine. He gives me the topic throughout the day, randomly at different times. Sometimes I'm using the restroom, sometimes I'm driving, sometimes I am taking a nap and he whispers it to me as he gradually wakes me up from taking care of myself. I never know when he gives me a topic. Sometimes I share music with you that he inspires through me in all kinds of genres because he's the creator of all of us and he owns all the music. So Uh, My goal with this show is to spread the love of the Father, to help people become empowered to find happiness from within. And I was on my way back from some errands after court today. I was supposed to appear in court and I showed up. I did my part. My lawyer showed up. Actually, my particular lawyer on the team was um, he had an emergency come up and he had to go out of town. So the head of the law group showed up for me. And uh, the other party that had accused me of lies and got me falsely arrested and wasted my time in the county resources, she did not show up to court. So uh, they decided to reset it for next month. I think somebody made a mistake in the court and didn't get her the date, the paperwork. I'm not sure. It was very confusing. They didn't use full sentences. So I'm just trusting that uh, the Lord has my back and on my way home uh, to my temporary address because I have until the end of the month to find new housing. And I lost my job because of a car accident July 8th. And Uh, That wasn't my fault, and I was fully insured. I've had zero income since July 8th. I've been relying on the Lord to trust in Him for all things with my finances, and He has stretched every penny, every dollar, and I continue to trust in Him. And He said the topic to me on the way home is called close call. So if you're not driving or using heavy machinery, I'd like you to pause this episode, get some notes out because he told me this is going to be a very powerful episode for you, especially if you are a white hat. So go ahead and pause it, get something to write with, get a journal out. I encourage you to journal every single day. All leaders, good leaders journal. They keep notes, records of their day. Jim Rohn spoke about it. Tony Robbins learned from that man. My man, my my man, my father worked for Jim Rohn in the 70s. I think around the same time Tony Robbins did. I wouldn't be surprised if they worked the same events. And uh, my father passed away a few years ago. But I'm just talking right now to allow you to get some time to get something to write with, to write on. So the first thing, the close call, the first thing I want to share with you is a miracle that I witnessed. I heard from someone. I got there early. If you have an appointment, a very important appointment, uh, you want to star this. Get there early. Star it. 15 minutes to 30 minutes early. I learned that at a very young age from my mother who learned that from her mother. And it was reinforced by great leaders throughout my schooling. Mr. Krause, his Krause time was if you're five minutes early, you're 10 minutes late. So get there early. So I'm sitting outside the courtroom waiting. Um, It was a weird appointment time. It was after their lunch uh, recess time. So 
I got there and there's little benches you can sit on. And so I'm just chatting it up with this person that has their service shirt on from their church and said, what did it say? Serve leader or something like that. And so we just started talking, small talk or whatnot. And uh, come to find, he goes to the same church that I'd been to a few times that I was invited to. Actually, strangely enough, from this former boss of mine, they got me falsely arrested. Um, but I had visited there before. Um, I had met her one time and I had made friends with another of their church members on the worship team and whatnot. And so he and I just got to talk in and I, um, he shared that he's a veteran survivor of that. And he was waiting for court because he has, uh, signed up for this position for, uh, being a person that hands people their notices like subpoenas and whatnot for like evictions and like, uh, child custody, child support, things like that. And so he has to be the bearer of bad news. So he said, the way I do it, I prayed about it before I accepted the position. And he said, I pray with people that are getting eviction notices. I give them resources in the community. Many of them don't even know any of those resources. They aren't even aware that they can get the housing assistance and whatnot. And I try my best to you know, do a tough job, but show them also options out of it. And uh, we got to talking a little bit before the judge came in and he, people open up to me, you guys, like this is a gift from the father. People share their hearts with me. And he told me he, he was going to serve this uh, gentleman and something came up with his son being late at school. And he got his son like skipped class or something. And so he, his son got in trouble and rightfully so the school called him for accountability. So he had to go to school to check, to find out what was going on with his son to go to a meeting or something. So it, it caused him to miss this appointment with this man. He was supposed to give this man this, um, summons that, or not some, I don't know what you call it, but it was paperwork essentially telling the man that he lost his parenting rights and he missed that appointment. Well, he went to try to reschedule it and a coroner called him and said, don't bother showing up. And if you have kids, in, in, you might want to pause it. This man had killed himself. That he was going to hand paperwork telling him that he lost his parenting rights. He said I had to pull over after I got that phone call because I realized that the Lord had protected me by causing my son to get to mess up at school. The Lord had used all things to keep me alive because had that man saw the paperwork from him, he might have shot him first and then killed himself. You never know what people are going through. You never know what level of stress people are under. When you have an opportunity to be a blessing to them or add to their stress, close calls. This man also shared with me that he had, uh, during his time in the military, he had, um, there was an accident involving, um, I think he said a helicopter or some, something. He was 100 feet in the air. He fell out of it. I said, oh my gosh, you survived it? He said, yeah, I landed in mud and there was an air pocket bubble that had cushioned my fall. I said, that's the Lord right there. He says, I know. 
when they x-rayed me, he said, I got up right away when they got the backboards there to check if I was okay. And he said, I stood right up and they, they said, whoa, 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 we don't know what's broken. You need to lay down on the stretcher. And he said he knew he was okay. He had not a broken body, bone, not a broken bone in his body. There was some tissue damage, very minimal injury. And I said, thank you for your service and whatnot. And um, while we're waiting, I gave him my prayer card. I said, I pray for our first responders and our veterans. I said, I've been in this contest for a long time and they've done all kinds of terrible things. And I said, I survived a car accident, July, beginning of July. And um, I am without a job and this lady owes me money and she took me to court. She owes me over $11,000. I could easily pay for housing and give me some cushion time to get a job but this lady really messed it up for me and she's just one of many in the last three years that have messed it up for me and my husband who top trained assassin for trump and his buddies warriors of light i call them they're veterans and they're first responders and they're all over america and they're all over the world you don't know who his associations are they've been tracing all the illegal activities over the last three years close calls make good decisions whether people are watching you or whether they're not be honorable keep your commitments these are basic things we learn growing up but if you grew up in a very terrible environment where you were forced to do all kinds of terrible things, you can unlearn patterns of the past that are terrible. And you can learn how to be good. That's, that's the whole reason Jesus came down on the earth. Because there was so much evil and darkness during the time period where he came down to the earth, uh, where he had been... Um, impregnated the Holy Spirit impregnated his mother and he died and rose again he lived a perfect life on the earth he loved everybody he showed everybody how we're supposed to live and operate and it was the people that were stealing from the poor that were threatened by him and his powers because they were lying about the father and the rules of religion and they were partnering with the government leaders you got to be careful about who you trust. You got to be very careful about rich organizations or uh, government leadership. You can trust in the Heavenly Father. He will guide and order your steps. He will guide and order every single step of your journey. And I don't say that uh, just to say that. I, I mean that and I've lived through They've tried to kill me. This deep state Illuminati cult has tried to kill me. 57, 59? Wow. The Lord just told me two more times. 59 times he's given me a verse. Leviticus is in the Old Testament. 17. 4. <clears throat> Okay, the beginning of uh, chapter 17 of Leviticus, it says, Eating blood forbidden. So verse 4, Instead of bringing it to the entrance to the tent of meeting, to present it as an offering to the Lord, 
in front of the tabernacle of the Lord, that man shall be considered guilty of bloodshed. He has shed blood and must be cut off from his people. This is so the Israelites will bring to the Lord the sacrifices they are now making in the open fields. They must bring them to the priest, that is, to the Lord, at the entrance to the tent of meeting, and sacrifice them as fellowship offerings. The priest is to sprinkle the blood against the altar of the Lord at the entrance to the tent of meeting, and burn the fat as an aroma pleasing to the Lord. They must no longer offer any of their sacrifices to the goat idols to whom they prostitute themselves. This is to be a lasting ordinance for them and for the generations to come. Say to them, any Israelite or any alien living among them who offers a burnt offering or sacrifice and does not bring it to the entrance to the tent of meeting to sacrifice it to the Lord, that man must be cut off from his people. Any Israelite or any alien living among them who eats any blood, I will set my face against that person who eats blood and will cut him off from his people. For the life of a creature is in the blood. And I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. Therefore I say to the Israelites, None of you may eat blood, nor may an alien living among you eat blood. Any Israelite or any alien living among you who hunts any animal or bird that may be eaten must drain out the blood and cover it with earth because the life of every creature is its blood. That is why I have said to the Israelites, you must not eat the blood of any creature, because the life of every creature is its blood. Anyone who eats it must be cut off. Anyone, whether native-born or alien, who eats anything found dead or torn by wild animals, must wash his clothes and bathe with water. And he will ceremonially unclean. He will be ceremonially unclean till evening. Then he will be clean. But if he does not wash his clothes and bathe himself, he will be held responsible. Keep reading the next one, Father. Keep reading. Okay. The Lord said, uh, "This is unlawful sexual relations." Chapter eighteen of Leviticus. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You must not do as they do in Egypt, where you used to live, and you must not do as they do in the land of Canaan, where I am bringing you. Do not follow their practices. You must obey my laws and be careful to follow my decrees. I am the Lord your God. Keep my decrees and laws for the man who obeys them and will live by them. I am the Lord. No one is to approach any close relative to have sexual relations. I am the Lord. Do not dishonor your father by having sexual relations with your mother. She is your mother. Do not have relations with her. Do not have sexual relations with your father's wife. That would dishonor your father. Do not have sexual relations with your sister, either your father's daughter or your mother's daughter, whether she was born in the same home or elsewhere. Do not have sexual relations with your son's daughter or your daughter's daughter. That would dishonor you. Do not have sexual relations with the daughter of your father's wife. Born to your father, she is your sister. Do not have sexual relations with your father's sister. She is your father's close relative. Do not have sexual relations with your mother's sister because she is your mother's close relative. 
Do not dishonor your father's brother by approaching his wife to have sexual relations. She is your aunt. Do not have sexual relations with your daughter-in-law. She is your son's wife. Do not have relations with her. Do not have sexual relations with your brother's wife. That would dishonor your brother. Do not have sexual relations with both a woman and her daughter. Do not have sexual relations with either her son's daughter or her daughter's daughter. They are her close relatives. That is wickedness. Do not take your wife's sister or a rival wife and have sexual relations with her while your wife is living. Do not approach a woman to have sexual relations during the uncleanness of her monthly period. Do not have sexual relations with your neighbor's wife and defile yourself with her. Do not give any of your children to be sacrificed to Molech. For you must not profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. The father says, stop right there. I have a message, he says. No one that has sacrificed is safe. No one that is continuing to sacrifice children will be hidden any longer. I will be revealing all your names to Aaron and all the white hats. Be on high alert. Repent to me now or you will be obliterated off the face of the earth. No one harms the children of the world. Yes, Father. He ain't playing around. He ain't playing around. All right, we're going to the New Testament now. Where are we going, Father? Where are we going? James 2, 4 and 5. Have yourselves not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts. Listen, my dear brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? Amen. Amen. Oh, close calls. The internet will be going down in a little over a month. Dates might change around, but so far the Lord hasn't told me the date has changed. Uh, I believe it's the white hats that will be shutting off the internet in America. Because the black hats, aka those uh, from Epstein Island and those that have been involved in the sacrificing of children, drinking of their blood in private to stay looking younger, they sacrifice because it's a satanic thing. <clears throat> and it costs them a lot of money to do it. The Lord reveals their pricing to me and the nasty visions of these nasty pedophiles and child sacrificers. So uh, they've been doing it for a long time, and when the computers came out and then they created the cell phones, there's a lot of good that come, can come out of these cell phones, like this show. I try my best to edify real people doing good things in the world to help people with depression. Uh, but they've, a lot of these people from this Illuminati cult in the deep state, they tried to get me to join their their cult many times because they, they recognized my power and my influence, but I will not bow down to any false idols. So uh, internet will go down next month, a little over a month from now. 
completely. That means banks will be shut down. That means you won't have access to your money if you're a black hat. This is good for the white hats, but you need to also prepare for war tactics because they will go mentally insane. Think about this man that almost served papers to this gentleman that was going to lose his parenting rights. Now, luckily, he was spared because that wasn't his time to die. The man killed himself, and he might have killed him as a casualty because of his level of stress. There are many people that are maxed stress out in America. So do your part and be kind to people. Listen to them. When I worked in a psychiatric hospital uh, where Move Happy was first birthed, we developed it together, staff and patients. I had a, t a treatment team of people that were involved in evaluating the program first. But before I even did that, I lost my dad my third day on the job. And before that, the week before that, I learned without patients, we had orientation, worst case scenario. It's life or death in there for staff that work with mentally insane patients. Because these patients, many of them have drug or alcohol addictions and mix that in with detoxing off of drugs or alcohol and or not taking their medications or the cycling of their meds not working anymore and they need a higher dosage or they're cheeking of their meds, right? Because for men, it causes impotence and so that demasculates them. Like there's so many things we need to change with it, but let me focus on what I want to tell you. If you're in a life or death situation, this is what you need to write in your journal right now. These are the steps they taught us. If someone asks you for something and you know they could be violent with you, yes or no, they could be or they couldn't be. You have no idea. You're, you're approaching it. Maybe you're a first responder and you're having to go to somebody's house to arrest somebody or whatever, serving papers, serving a warrant, whatever. They could be violent towards you. So in order to calm and prevent violence from happening, be respectful of them, number one. Validate them if they ask you something or if they express a concern to you. That was the first step they taught us. Listen, active listening. I'm so sorry you're going through that. Be sincere. They can smell fake miles away. And if they are approaching a level of psychosis, they will no longer be of rational sound mind because of their level of stress and if they have mental illness. So be sincere when you say, I'm so sorry you're going through that. Reiterate what you heard them say. Some people don't like you to repeat, so they might get irritated even further with you. So you, you might need to say, tighten up what you say, how many words you use. <clears throat> For example, in the hospital, they gave us an example of cigarettes because a lot of the patients smoked and they limited their cigarettes to two cigarettes a day. They were allowed two fresh air breaks every day and they could have two cigarettes a day so you could have both of them in your first break or you could save it for the second one or one on each but you couldn't have any more than that and they regulated it and they lost their levels of uh, freedom in the hospital if they broke those rules if they got caught and the, the charge nurses would change their levels so um, they taught us in our orientation training they said let's say you're brand new right you're brand new you're fresh meat so they know it 
they know you're, br you're, you're brand new, you're fresh meat, so they're going to test you on the rules, just like kids test their parents or test their teachers, right? And we're all pretty much the same, right? We test the boundaries if we can. So if they know that the rules are two cigarettes. They they might ask you, hey, if you're smoking, you're smoking outside as a staff member, and you're smoking a cigarette, and they have fresh air break, but they've already had their second cigarette of the day, and they come over, hey, can I bomb a cigarette off you? Here's what we were supposed to say. Now I don't smoke, so I never had the opportunity for anybody to ask me that. But mine was like they'd ask me for gum, chewing gum. We weren't supposed to give them anything. Here's what we had to say. Ah. Oh, you know, I'm so sorry. That according to the policy, step number two, refer to a policy. They can't beat up a policy. Don't use another person's name, staff member. That will throw someone under the bus and put somebody else at risk for getting the crap beat out of them or shanked or worse. So if you say, if everybody is in unison, you say, according to the policy, I'm so sorry, but we're only allowed to give you two cigarettes. How many cigarettes have you had today? If they lie to you and say, I've only had one, okay, how are you going to pay for it? Because I'm not allowed to give, if I give you one, then I have to give everybody else one. So I want to make sure I'm being fair, right? Have an honest conversation about being fair. No one's going to argue with you over that. And then they'll probably say, oh yeah, you're right. I don't have any money. Okay. Well, um, if you'd like, I can speak to your treatment team about um, hooking you up with a job. If you're interested, what's your level at? Certain patients, certain levels, they were allowed to have a job on the campus where they would earn, I think it was minimum wage, doing uh, cleanup. Uh, there was a cleanup crew and there was a gardening group I think they got paid for because they were creating gardens around the campus in different areas. And um, gardening is good for if you plant plants, right, then they can harvest the food and then they can use that as a recycling thing. So they were teaching them like real life jobs that they could have when they got discharged, right? That was the eventual plan. And so if you're having an honest conversation with someone about something that, that you know you can't give them, but you, you don't want them to punch you in the face or shank you after work, right? Be respectful, treat them with dignity, it's basic human knowledge, but sometimes people are in power positions for too long. They forget to humanize the situation. They forget that that person that they're dealing with is a real human being with real feelings, with real thoughts, real emotions, and they might be going through a hardship. So be nice to them. Use the golden rule. Um, another thing, too, for de-escalating is following up. Keep your word. If you tell them you're going to do something for someone, follow through with them. There was one really nice lady that um, she never asked anybody for anything. If she asked for anything, she was so sweet and kind. It wasn't like breaking rules. Like she loved to sing and she knew that I did too. And she said, hey, I'm trying to remember the lyrics to this song from the Titanic movie. Do you remember when the lady sang that famous song? And I was like, oh yeah, I remember my heart would go on, right? She's like, yeah. I said, Celine Dion. She goes, yeah. She says, is there any way you could print me the lyrics for that? I'd like to sing it because I had just started our second group therapy, performing arts therapy that another staff member had asked me to be a part of because I had sang at the hospital wide um, event for it was like they do this every year it's a big all celebration barbecue thing for all the patients it's a real fun event staff members that have jobs outside of their work they bring in extra things like we have a one guy uh, there was a guy that uh, had a dj 
uh, like karaoke system. So he set that up and I helped at that station. There was like face painting and snow cones and there was a live rock band. Um, Iggy, who was our orientation trainer, he played drums for, and it was a real fun thing. They had like, um, water balloon toss and stuff like that. And, um, she had heard me sing or someone had told her about me singing Mariah Carey emotion song. And I was just having fun with the patients, just being myself. A couple days later, she approached me and said, Hey, uh, I'm thinking about, I'd like to teach juggling to the patients. I was like, okay. And I never talked to this lady before in my life. She didn't work on my ward. I didn't know her. She comes up to me. I'm like, all right. She goes, I was thinking, I, I heard that you sing. I was like, yeah. She goes, uh, you did a great job. Uh, I'm wondering, would you like to teach the patients how to sing? And I could teach them how to juggle. We could do like a performing thing. I said, ooh, I like this idea. Because I already had successfully executed Move Happy. And patients started spreading word around the whole hospital. We had double locked doors. Patients started telling people about it. We had maxed capacity. We had to move to a larger room. I had already proven that I was good at setting up a proper therapy experience. And I would gotten permission from my boss to do it. So she wanted to raise her standards and teach a class. And so I said, I like what you're thinking. And then I said, what if we added comedy? I said, Rick used to teach, or he used to be a, not teach, he used to be a, a stand-up comedian. He'd toured all over the U.S. and I think Canada. What if I asked him to be a part of it and we could do the three different styles and we could be, we could have it in the biggest room? She goes, I love it. Do you think we could do it? I said, I'm, I'm certain we could get it, get it, uh, get it done. So check in with Sue and then get back to me. Well, she told me we were good to go. So I assumed she talked with Sue, but she never did. So, but I got Sue's permission because, uh, the Lord chose favor and, uh, Sue saw that I cared for the patients and, uh, we broke some rules in that hospital for the betterment of the patients. So I think this other patient, she was, I don't think she was in that class, but people talk and she knew that I loved to sing and I was teaching the patients how to sing. And even though I don't have any music degrees, they let me do it because they heard me sing and I had already been asked earlier, a couple months before that, my boss asked me to be the musical entertainment during my work day for the patients for the Christmas um, time because they had a high population of Catholic and Christian patients and they had a volunteer pianist from the community every Christmas time. He would come and he would play Christmas carols for them. So my boss, Sue Bender, best best boss in the world, hands down. She's my favorite boss ever. She said, Aaron, I know that you like to sing and I know that you did that, uh, that gig for that judge for that fundraising event. Um, I saw your video and you did such a great job. I said, you saw my video? Oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. She said, no, Aaron, you have an, a, you have a beautiful voice. I was like, thank you. She said, would you be interested in singing for the patients? I said, Yes, <laughs> I would love to do that. She said, do you know Christmas carols? I said, yes. As a matter of fact, we had a carol-a-thon in high school with the music company. Uh, we actually, our entire choir did it. He was such an out-of-the-box creative teacher because we, we were from a low-income school district. 
and he had us take tours. We did trips every year, and so um, he didn't let money be an excuse from allowing us to have uh, goals together and to fundraise. So we would sing at the different grocery stores, and we would fundraise. People would pay us money to do caroling events. So I know a lot of Christmas carols. She said, really? Well, I've got some books on Christmas carols that... I said, great, I would love to do it. So I already worked extra. I did way above and beyond my job requirements because I do what I love and my boss let me be myself. So then this lady um, that was a patient asked me to print off the lyrics to the song My Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion. And she was rehearsing it. She was one of our pacers. She had an eating disorder. And uh, she was such a beautiful, kind woman. Such a beautiful woman. She would walk all day, just walking down the hall. Just just walking. So I tried to get her to not walk so much because too much of anything is not good. And I think me teaching, uh, co-facilitating, I should say, with uh, two other um, staff members there. One of them that didn't work on our floor, mind you. Um, I think it encouraged her to get back into something that she enjoyed. And music is such a strong, powerful healing agent. And that's that movie was so good. That was such a powerful um, soundtrack. I um, I had the soundtrack for a long time in the movies, but I've had to move so many times. I've lost a lot of my belongings, but um, I remembered the famous song. I remembered the artist. That was my first song. I learned how to play on my flute in sixth grade in the advanced band under the direction of. Mr. Hoganson at the junior high because I got to be in the advanced band my first year in public school when my dad had been diagnosed with cancer the first time. We have a lot of close calls in life anywhere. I worked in the South Hall in Western State Hospital and there was four different halls. I worked with criminals. Most of them were criminals that had committed murders rapes, uh, real big thefts, felony level thefts, and were there for a minimum of six months. Some of them were there for 30 years. That was home for them. I worked with the worst of the worst criminals, and none of them bothered me for 12 months because I, I treated them with dignity, and they talked about me to each other. And we had a U.S. Marine veteran that was a patient in uh, my Move Happy program first round and the third round. And he was there. He was there the day I showed up on that Friday. My dad died on a Wednesday, my third day with patients. And my dad died my third day. And then I showed up to work two days later because I loved where I was at. And I was grateful to have a full-time job in one area because there was a time in my life a few years before that that I had five part-time jobs with a master's degree and I still couldn't pay my student loans because they said that I made too much money to qualify for food stamps and too much money I didn't qualify for financial assistance. I survived that. I survived that and that U.S. Marine veteran that was a part of the original 
Move Happy program just happened to be a C-level executive in the securities industry responsible for anywhere from 125 to under, he said different numbers at different times, so I imagine he had a flux, a flow of employees, and he lost his spouse to cancer. We had built rapport in my first week working with patients because I had cried in front of him when my coworker, I still get teared up about it because it's real. It was seven years ago, but I will always miss and love my father. And my, my coworker, my big sis, Sayaka, I haven't spoken to her in a few years because these evil deep state people hacked in and blocked her from communicating with me, threatened her. I know it. 100% I know it. Because they threatened my board member. <laughs> but she she is a good woman. Sayako is from Japan. And she is a licensed therapist. We co-facilitated that class together. She let me lead it. And she gave me pointers. She was my advisor, my consultant on it. But before I created Move Happy, I was a part of her mindfulness-based cognitive therapy class with this U.S. Marine veteran that was a patient in that class. And after I cried in front of him, he became my protector. He stood up for me there, and all of us ladies. The male patients there were very disrespectful to us, to the patients and to the staff. They would whistle and do cat calls, everything that you hear out in the real world, but worse because they knew that we couldn't do anything about it. So he stepped up and protected us and reminded them all how to treat us ladies. He didn't have to do that. He was a patient, just like all of them, but he didn't ever forget his commitment. Once a Marine, always a Marine. And he encouraged me after I had earned a promotion I created five therapies there, along with the help of community members. <laughs> Three group and two one-on-one. -on -one, and um, got them on the map for the first in history psych hospital to be featured in the International Day of Happiness. Got them on the map worldwide as the hosts of the Happy Wall Day um, with the partner and nonprofit partner, Live Happy. I created so much positive PR for that hospital that the Washington State employees, the head of the PR, came and filmed it and added us to the newsletter as positive PR and emailed it out to 119,000 employees. And that man was there and he watched it and he listened to the conversations. And I earned a promotion that my boss told me no one in 30 years was ever even interviewed for without a license in therapy, but I had added so much value to the hospital that they couldn't ignore it, and the patients started spreading word telling them to give me the promotion, and so they did. I earned that promotion. There were 17 that were interviewed for the position, and I won it. I earned it, and I worked it. I trained for the position, and I trained my colleague to cover my Move Happy class for me while I trained and she thanked me in the hallway Sue, another Sue we had three Sues on our team she thanked me she said Erin, I gotta tell you 
I am so grateful that you created this program. I said, you are? She said, yeah, it's so easy to run. So-and-so passes the pencils out. So-and-so passes the journals out. So-and-so writes the page number on the whiteboard. Because I had asked him to before I left. I said, I need help keeping us organized. She said, it's so easy to run and I love that I can work out during the workday because I know I need exercise, but I'm so tired by the end of the workday. Thank you. Thank you for doing this for us. So I knew my program was duplicatable. So while I was training for my position, I was training half days so we didn't cost them any extra coverage. And all of the staff members would just cover classes. That's what we did for each other. It was a great team, great culture. And I worked the position for my coworker, Carrie. She went on vacation, and then I was going to take my vacation after that. I was engaged. We were, on ro- we were very much on rocky terms because he committed domestic violence towards me, and so we were seeing a therapist. We were trying to work it out, and I was seeing my own therapist. My mom's best friend had died a few months after my dad died, so it was a really tough time because that woman... My mom's best friend was my protector from my abuser. She stood up for my mom and protected my mom when my dad was acting a fool because she was the wife of his best friend. My parents made very good friends. And uh, she had a lot of loss all of a sudden, and, and so I was not doing so good. I went on my vacation with my fiance and his daughter. We went to the beach. And when I came back from my vacation, I found out that government legislators in Olympia, Washington, voted against mental health. And we had an extra high-risk hall that was being built for highly volatile patients. My person that was training me, Carrie, she had been in her position for 20 years or so. Or she was she was there at least 20 years. Um, she was veteran, a daughter of a veteran. She was very good. She was an excellent trainer. She gave me a binder. She worked so hard to train me. For the position, I was going to be responsible, the head psych person for an entire ward, 28 patients on S8. I worked the position for her. And these people tried to say that they never hired me for the position. They lied. But the head of the psychology department, when I emailed her explaining that My fiancé didn't want to marry me anymore because we didn't have the money and it caused strain on my relationship and I had to leave the job because I had to move out. Like, it completely disrupted my whole life. She went to bat for me. She emailed the Capitol. She emailed so many people and she looped me in on the emails. She said, Aaron, I'm going to get you your money. And she did. She got me my proper payment. Now, they never had the legal title of my new position, but everybody knows there. All of my co-workers, friends, and many, many know my story and my truth. One of them last year was our edutainer. She was my, my co-worker and uh, a real positive lady that encouraged me to show up to work every day. She got to meet Emmy-nominated TV producer that used to work with Kirk Franklin, Maroon 5, Gwen Stefani, Tori Kelly, all these big names. He was one of our edutainers as well. They threatened him to disassociate from me when he was going to hire me later on last year. Seven-figure 
salary plus commissions. He got to meet my co-worker. Catherine. Such a positive lady. She had just given birth. She's such a positive person and she is in her process of getting licensed as a therapist. And they messed with her money, her family's money. They've messed with all of my associations over the last three years and they thought that they could get away with it. Most of my associations are conservative Christians. In America, according to Bill O'Reilly's audiobook on killing Jesus, 70% of Americans believe in Jesus Christ. They had no idea I am a descendant of King David who slayed Goliath. There are many close calls in life. Make sure you marry a warrior, not a wussy, ladies. And gentlemen, be honorable to your commitment to your country. If you take payouts and you think it's in private, the Lord sees all, knows all, is above all is everywhere at all times. He is omniscient. Omnipotent. He controls time. He controls who dies and who lives. And he can turn a famine back on to the enemy who tried to kill millions of people. The internet will be shut down next month. November 17th. All of these evil people will not be getting their payments that they've promised to people. So they will start attacking each other. I know that's what will happen because the Lord reveals things to me and it happened in the Bible. History repeats itself. The Lord can cause the enemy to start being confused and start attacking one another. So make sure you get plugged in to a Bible-based church or any faith-based practice. Pray, meditate for America. We are about to go to war with the Illuminati that has infiltrated America. If you don't have a personal connection with the Father, um, none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. You want to make sure you make that commitment to Him so you know exactly, without any doubts, where you're going to go. Repeat after me. Oh, excuse me. Do you have another verse, Father? Okay. He wants me to... I do apologize. Sometimes I jump the gun. He gives me verses for you. 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 13, 4. Final warnings. For to be sure, he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by God's power. Likewise, we are weak in him, yet by God's power we will live with him. To serve you. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do not realize that Christ Jesus is in you, unless, of course, you fail the test. And I trust that you will discover that we have not failed the test. Now we pray to God that you will not do anything wrong. Not that people will see that we have stood the test, but that you will do what is right, even though we may seem to have failed. For we cannot do anything against the truth, but only the truth. We are glad whenever we are weak, but you are strong, and our prayer is for your perfection. That is why I write these things, 
when I am absent, that when I come, I may not have to be harsh in my use of authority, the authority the Lord gave me for building you up, not for tearing you down. Okay. Finally, brothers, goodbye. Aim for perfection. Listen to my appeal. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints send their greetings. Okay, he says now go ahead and close it. All right, so go ahead and repeat after me if you'd like a connection to the Father. And I don't know why you wouldn't, because uh, eternal damnation is not anything to desire. Uh, all right, here we go. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this gift of salvation. I can't earn it. I can't buy it. You give it freely to those who believe in you and your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, I'm a sinner but I don't desire to continue making mistakes. Please come into my heart and convict me when I make poor decisions and show me better ways to serve you and to spread your love around the whole earth. Thank you. I pray this in your heavenly name. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time, we want to welcome you to the family. Your next step is to get plugged in to a Bible-based church in person. Uh, share this message with, with people of your church as well. We want to definitely tell as many people as possible um, to prepare them because when the internet goes down, banks will shut down and phone lines won't work. So you need to communicate. I don't, I don't have all those skills that the military knows about. I don't know how we can communicate with our loved ones that are in different areas of the nation to make sure we can check in on them to see if they're okay. Like how Israel is at war right now. Like I'm sure their loved ones, if they live in far areas, they can't communicate with them. So it's the same thing. It can happen anywhere at any time. I believe it's coming very soon to America. So guard yourselves and volunteer with the veterans and first responders if you can. Make friends with them. They will look out for you. Anything else, Father? Okay, what kind of supplies? Okay, the Father wants you to send me first aid supplies to my address on file. Okay, uh, those of you listening in that know my address on file, send it. Send first aid supplies, and he'll guide my steps after that. Okay, anything else, Father? He said, sing it with gladness. Here we go. Don't forget to tell someone you love them today. And we'll see you next time.